across the country found in Luke's gospel, chapter 15. Um, I believe that this text is in the heart of God and in the heart of the gospels and ought to be in the heart of every church, particularly the New Testament churches. Um, And so Luke 15, uh, in the interest of time and my feeble reading ability, I want to read uh, verses 1 and verse number 2. And I think you've heard this story several times. I know your pastor has has shared this one. Luke 15. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Thus ends the reading of the word of God. And uh, it's a long text, so I won't read very much of it. But I want to talk about and, uh, and tag this, this whole episode in Luke 15, found in the lost department. Found in the lost department. God bless you. You may be seated. Found in the lost department. In the heart of God, in the heart of the gospel, lies Luke 15, and it ought to be, I said, in the heart of every believer. For this is that chapter that's filled with information about lostness. And the church is here not for its members, but the church has been placed here for lost people. I hear Jesus say, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. And and so I'm trying to spread this word and mow down this myth that just because you've been a member of a church for 50 years does not mean you have more priority or seniority. Because a church has been dedicated to saving souls. And souls are being saved, and they are saved not by committee, not by group, not by organization, but by one by one. God chooses to save. God uses salvation as his method and modus operandi for growing his church. Oh, we can grow by transfer sometimes. Some members can move to another membership church, and that St. Lucas got a lot of those where we people have moved their membership from one church to the other. But God loves it when we get a candidate for baptism. He loves it. I think it warms the heart of God. As a matter of fact, heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. The one thing that I've discovered, Dr. Hardy, is that there is no shortage of sinners in Houston. Technically, every church in Houston could be filled today. If every sinner would repent and accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. 
I know, I know that God loves sinners because he wrote a whole chapter in Luke 15 about lostness. Um, and let me just hurriedly tell you, every one of us who have been saved by his grace, one time or another was in the lost department. Is it, is, if you don't shout tonight over anything else, you ought to shout that you've just been found. See, that, that's enough already. If that, if that doesn't crank your motor up, something is wrong with your battery. Fact of the matter is, you were lost in sin, but Jesus found you. you you've been found. Not perfect, just found. You've got to let your neighbor know I'm not perfect, but at least I've been found. People on your job need to know that, that you are not perfect. You don't cross every T. You don't dot every I. You don't pay your income tax on time sometimes. But at least you've been found. Matter of fact, you ought to announce that to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. I may not do everything right. You probably have seen that happen. But at least I've been found. And guess where you were found? In the lost department. Now here is here is the here is the rub in this text. If you've been found, don't stay in the lost department. <laughs> so many people today have been found by the grace of God and want to remain in the lost department. So they they want to they love they love the old lifestyle. They they don't want to be in the found department. They like the lost department. But baby, you've been found. And you don't need to remain in the lost category, in the lost department, because grace found you. That's what's going on in chapter 15 of Luke's gospel. It is a, it is, it is about lost, lost people, lost things, and lost places. Here it is. Jesus, in chapter 15, the Pharisees, scribes, as he drew near to the publicans and sinners, they were thrown off by his affinity to hang around sinner people. Jesus liked to hang around those kind of folk. Not the up and coming, up and muckety mucks of the time and all that stuff. He didn't. He didn't hang around those kinds. He found, I believe, the low light district. Found people of the low stratus on the totem pole of life. He found people in the red light districts. I believe that maybe, maybe when he comes back again, he may not, he may not even go to the upper day class folk. He might just start with the Though of low is of those who are of low esteemed. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because the Bible says he was hanging around publicans 
tax collectors and sinners. Now, I love sinners. I don't love the sin, but I love sinners. And I think that the church ought to fall back in love with sinners. I was um, preaching somewhere, and um, I won't name the city, but, but I was in the study, and one little old lady knocked on the pastor's door and said, Pastor, those old, those old girls is out there, and the girls is out there in the foyer. You need to call the police. And I knew what she was talking about. She was talking about the ladies of the evening. When the police would drive by, they would run in the foyer to keep from being arrested. Well, she so she comes in the pastor study with a wig on crooked, and, uh, and um, pastor, pastor, you need to call the police. I said, now isn't that strange for a Christian to want to call the police for a sinner? They're almost in the sanctuary. And if you are that big a Christian, why don't you go out to the foyer and tell them to come on in, baby? I know you're not dressed for church, but take my shawl and wrap it around yourself and come on in here. See, because, because this business is about one sinner telling another sinner where they can find some bread. She's almost in church. And you want to run her away from church because of sin. What she's doing is not criminal, it's sin. Are y'all hearing me? And the church has been placed here for sinners. That is our business. Is to win the lost. Uh, Dr. Hunt, I think I told you this. Maybe I, did, maybe I didn't tell you, but I was worth telling you again. I was at uh, my church. Several years ago, and um, in the middle of the day, in the middle of the day, 12 o'clock, I get out of my car in front of my church, and a young lady passes by the street, and um, I noticed she, uh, who she was. I knew who she was. I knew what she had been doing. And so I, I yelled at her. I said, hey, where you going? She said, oh, I'll be back, Pastor. I said, no, wait. Let me come out there. So I walked out to Lockwood. In the, in the middle of the day with my three-piece suit on, my briefcase in my hand, and people were going down Lockwood blowing at me. I mean, her skirt was so short it could have been a belt. They were blowing. Oh, I got this on the pastor now. Ooh-wee, ooh-wee. Uh-uh. Look at the pastor. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, look at the pastor. Can Let me take a picture of this right here, the pastor. But what they wasn't understanding was, I wasn't buying anything. I was selling something. I'm trying to sell her on a new way of living and a new way of life. Amen. And I refuse to let a sinner come by my church and don't say anything to them. Are y'all hearing me? I've got Jesus. She needs Jesus. And somebody needs to say, hey. Jesus is still in the saving business. So he's, he's hanging around publicans and sinners, scribes and Pharisees. They do the same thing. They, 
they, they, they, they belittle Jesus for hanging around sinners. So Jesus starts these, these, this parable. Actually, it's one parable, one story with three vignettes, three parts to the story. And, uh, he's, and, 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 and immediately, he does not argue with these Pharisees or these scribes. He just starts telling a story. He says, now, which one of you fat cat Pharisees? Having a hundred sheep. Is it in your Bible? Having, having, having a hundred sheep and one of them leaves the fold and, and wanders in the wilderness. What would you do if you are a shepherd? Wouldn't it be better to leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after that one lost sheep? You see, the sheep was lost because it nibbled itself away from the fold. Wasn't a bad sheep, wasn't a mannish sheep, wasn't a, a evil sheep. It had its head down and it nibbled itself away from the fold. It missed the first Sunday church, missed the second Sunday, missed the third Sunday. Not bad, not mean, not sinning. Just head down and nibble itself away from the fold. See, some people leave our churches not because they're bad or mean. or They just had their head that wasn't paying any attention. And when they found themselves, they were a long way from church. Well, what does a shepherd do? The shepherd leaves the 99 in the wilderness. And goes after what? That one lost sheep. And the text says, and when they found it, he does something. He puts the sheep on his shoulder and carries the sheep back to the fold and says to his friends and neighbors, rejoice with me, for this is the sheep that I've, that was lost. The sheep left on four feet, but came back on two. I think y'all missed it. He left on four feet, but came back on two. Because the shepherd carried them back. There are some people who leave our churches, they got to be picked up and brought back. They don't, they're so lost, they can't get back on their own. Somebody has to love them enough to go and pick them up and bring them back. The sheep was lost because of waywardness. Now, most of us shepherds would be satisfied with a 1% lost. I mean, he had 100. So, so what? Amen. One gone, I still got 99. But not so with this shepherd. Because love makes you go and look. I like what that sister said. What's her name, Alexis? She said that you drive bys over here. <laughs> Love makes you go look. Yeah, man. You, you could have been satisfied with the 99. But no vision. Y'all love people when they join this church. And when they are missing, you miss them. Because sometimes folk who are missing don't know what they're missing. And they're waiting on somebody to miss them enough to go and find them and bring them back to the found department. 
I noticed what he does in that little story. And I got to, I really, oh boy, I'm running out of time. I don't hurry up. He brings him back and does not talk about the sheep. He does not bring the sheep back, put a great big microphone in the sheep's mouth and said, tell us what you've been doing. Make your statement. Tell us about all the stuff you've been doing since you've been gone. Confess it all to the rest of the 99. No, he invites the neighbors and friends and says, rejoice with me. For this is the sheep that I have lost. Amen. Amen. He does not give the Pharisees a chance to talk uh, and answer that question about uh, about that particular story. But on the heels of that story, he starts another story. Now notice the mathematics of the parable. He starts out with a hundred sheep. Now he's down to ten coins. Which woman having ten coins? Is that in the Bible? Have not lost one of them. Does not do several things. First thing she does is she cuts on the light. She sweeps the house. And she searches diligently until she finds it. Is that in the Bible? I'm not making it up, y'all. She, she cuts on the light. Because the sheep was lost outside the house, but the coin was lost in the house. Which suggests to me that there's as much to do in the house as there is outside the house. Because everybody, E-R-R, everybody that's in church may not be saved. Just because they come to church is no sign that they've been saved. They could be lost in the house. Lost singing in the choir. Lost preaching in the pulpit. Lost praying in the deacon board. Lost ushering on the door. They could be lost in the house. We talk about the folk outside the house every time. But what about the folk who are lost coming every Sunday? Lost in the house. So here's what this woman does. She cuts on the light. Because you cannot find lost things in the darkness. Somebody got to cut on the light. Because if I'm lost and you in darkness and I'm in darkness, we can't find each other. So the church must cut on the light. That's why I'm glad y'all got the lights on tonight. Are y'all hearing me? A whole lot of churches have cut out lights at night. They don't have church no more. Amen. Or anymore. But the light needs to be on in vision all the time. Are y'all hearing me? Because you got to find some things. You can't find some people unless the lights are on. Now, now the reason why the text says she cuts the light on, but she sweeps the house, is that the coin came out of a headband she had to wear because she was engaged to be married. And in that head, y'all know about headbands, don't you, sister? They had ten slots in the headband. And the slots had each, each one had a coin in each slot. Which represented her engagement to her sweetheart. And if she lost, she had to wear this until she got married. 
And if she lost one of them, it would signify that something had happened uh, while they were engaged. Okay, press, press rewind, press rewind. It indicated if she lost, because she had to wear it to the store, to the marketplace, to church, everywhere she had to wear that headband. But if one is missing, it meant that she had been untrue to her sweetheart. Y'all still not feeling me. It meant, here it is, that Jody had been by the house. Y'all still not getting it. It meant that somebody was coming in the front door while somebody was going out the back door. And she knew that she hadn't been doing anything with anybody, so she was frantic. She had to find that coin. She had to get it back in because them church down at them folk at the church gonna talk about her. They gonna say, I knowed it, I knowed it. <laughs> I knowed it. She thought my she that holy. No, she ain't that holy. Did you see that headband? It's a coin missing. Child, somebody been by that house. So she cuts the light on frantically, but she sweeps the house because the coin was heavy. And when something heavy falls on the floor, sometimes it might just roll. So that where it fell, it's not, it's not where it fell. Amen. You heard it fall on the floor. You know it fell because you heard where it fall. You heard where it fell. It fell on the floor. But because it rolled, it's not. In other words, sometimes you look for people in the wrong place. You heard where they fell, but since they fell, they rolled. All right, all right. They fell going to the party. But they rolled to the holiday inn. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah, they fell in at the party. But the holiday inn is where they rolled to after the party. See? See, so so it suggests to me that sometimes when people fall, they're not there. So you got to you got to sweep the house thoroughly until you find the lost coin because chances are you know what I'm talking about. Your mama said, where did y'all go? Y'all was supposed to be going to the party. We did, but we rolled to somewhere else. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So be careful that we don't look for people in the wrong place. Because they have rolled. Now, here's the good news is that they're still in the house somewhere. So you got to move the furniture and sweep her not around the coffee table, but you got to sweep under the coffee table. Because the chances are they are under the furniture somewhere. I know some people who in some churches who believe that they are the furniture in that church. And they sing every Sunday, I shall not be don't you? And that's the reason why folks stay lost. is because they're lost under some furniture. Maybe if you did move out of the way, people could be found. You don't have to be president of the do-nothing committee for 50 years. 
So she swept, she cut the light on. She swept the house. But she searched diligently until she found it. Which means she did not give up on the lost coin. If I'm lost, don't give up on me. Keep on looking for me. If I'm lost, keep on searching for me. I'm somewhere I shouldn't be. I know I should have been in that headband. But it ain't my fault that I fail sometimes. Life can make situations where you just fall. Well, some people say, well, I don't know why she was so excited. She should have been satisfied. She still had nine left. But but because of her relationship with her engaged person, she knew she had to find that coin because of her commitment to the man she's going to marry. Are y'all hearing me? And she could not, she could not identify with anything going on in her life. So she's such a diligent. Now notice what she does. She does the same thing as I'm trying to hurry on. She calls her friends and neighbors over from St. Luke and says, rejoice with me for this is the coin that I have lost. And guess what? Sometimes folk who said that your friends won't be rejoicing with you when good stuff happens to you. Not everybody who smiles in your face is happy about your success. Are, are y'all hearing me? And so she finds the coin and uh, she is restored. Everything is all right. So on the heel of that story, see, see, so we go on the mathematics from a hundred, hundred sheep, we're down to what? Ten coins. Now he says, just in case you don't have a hundred sheep, and just in case you don't have ten coins, everybody is familiar with two sons. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So now the math is, I'm not going to be satisfied with a one percent loss, and I will not be satisfied with a ten percent loss, but let's look at these story about these two sons. A certain man had two sons. Do you hear what I'm saying? And the younger of them says to his father, give me the portion of goods that's come, that, that fallen to me. In other words, give me the stuff I'm going to get when you die anyway. Are oh, you hearing me? I want my stuff right now. I'm going to inherit it, but I can't wait till somebody die to get it. Are oh, you hearing me? You see, one of the good things about our Christ is he knew we could not get our inheritance until somebody died. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute up in here. I say, because you have to understand, you cannot get Mother's furniture and Big Daddy's truck until they are dead. That's your inheritance. Now, I know you may want it now, but, but let me tell you what, good things happen to people who wait. So he says, give me the portion of goods that followed unto me. And the father loved the son so much until the Bible says that he divided unto them, unto them, unto them his living. Uh, in other words, be careful now. He gave the younger boy what belonged to him. 
But he gave the other brother what belonged to him too. Because God does not have any stepchildren. He loves all of his children just the same. So he divides under him his lot. His living in the Bible says that he goes into a far country and wastes his substance on riotous living. Now don't juicy up the story and talk about what he was doing in the far country. We don't know what he was doing out there. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All I know is he is away from the father's house. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? He's there in the far country and the Bible says while there uh, he wastes his substance on riotous living. And after he wastes his substance a famine comes in the land. Because famine always comes after waste. That's why I want to tell you young people don't waste your green years. Uh huh. Don't waste your good eyesight. Don't waste your beautiful figures. Don't waste your good strength out in the world. No, no, hold on to your youth as long as you can. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so the Bible says that uh, he wasted substance on riotous living. And uh, when he wasted all of his father's money, he wasted all of his father's substance. Uh, he began to be in want. Famine had come in the land. And I need to tell somebody, famine does come when you waste your life. Oh, one day you're going to get old if you don't die young. Yeah, And so don't waste uh -huh, your good eyesight. Don't waste your good mind while you have a chance. Because when you get old, uh, yeah, there's going to come a famine of youth in your life. There's going to come a famine of good health in your life. And you'll go in the kitchen and forgot what you went in there for. Do I have anybody here that can agree with me? You look for your glasses and they're on your head. Do I have a witness somewhere? Because age brings about a change. And uh, the Bible does say that uh, he began to be in want. And uh, the Bible goes on to say that he got hungry and wanted to eat what the hogs did eat. It really did not say that he ate what the hogs ate. He said he would have eaten what the hogs did eat. And for a Jewish boy, uh -huh, he would never have stooped that low. But his uh, appetite drove him to do what he did not want to do. Do you know what drives a man or a woman to do things they would not ordinarily do? Can I tell you all uh, what it is? It is uh, appetite. When you get hungry enough, you'll come back to Vision Ministries and say, Pastor Hunt, I'm hungry for the Word of God. 
When you get hungry enough, you throw your hands in the air like you just don't care. And tell the Lord, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Appetite will make you do right. Appetite will make you come to your senses. Ain't God alright? Is there anybody here that can say my appetite makes me come to church every Sunday morning? If I don't eat from the table of God, if my, if my, if my medicine man named Derek Hunt doesn't give me my prescription, I might cuss my supervisor out on Monday and lose my job. But thank God, my man named Hunt brings me my medicine on Sunday morning because sometimes I could almost lose my mind. But thank God, he gives me my medication. Look at somebody and said, neighbor, I'm on medication every single day. Neighbor, I get, I don't get disability, but I am disabled. I wish I could get a check for what's wrong with me, but only the word, only God can take care of my attitude. And so tell him one more time, said neighbor, if you don't like me now, you would have hated me before I got saved. Ain't God all right? I was something else before I got saved. The boy said, I believe I'll go home to my father's house. I told you that appetite drove him home. Appetite made him think because the first words out of his mouth was, my father got bread enough to spare. Ain't God all right? In the Father's house, uh, that's plenty good bread. Uh, in the Father's house, uh, that's plenty good room. Uh, ain't God all right? Uh, he got up, uh, dusted off the hog stuff, uh, and started running back home. Uh, ain't God all right? Do you see him coming back home? It's a crooked way back. It's a crooked way away. It's got to be a crooked way back. Ain't God all right? But around the curve, he's there. And the father sees him a great way off. And the father starts running to the son. Ever got a witness in here? He runs to that boy, the bad boy. He runs to the boy who's nasty. He runs to the boy that's filthy. Ain't God all right? Is there anybody here can praise God that the Lord takes you back just like you are? Ain't God all right? I remember my son. I was preaching Pastor Hunt one fifth Sunday and I had on a white suit. My son didn't go to church. He's five years old. We lived in the country. He'd been playing in a mud hole. Ain't God all right? I got out of the car and my boy loved me so much. He ran and jumped in my arms. 
you know what I did? I picked him up more than all. Ain't God all right? And the mud that was on him got on me. Now that's Calvary. Ain't God all right? The sin that's in me, he took upon himself. Ain't God all right? He picked me up, turned me around. Ain't God all right? He's able to take away your sin. The Father said, no son of mine can come back home and make a speech to me. Bring me a robe. Bring me a ring. Bring me some shoes. Ain't God all right? Yeah. Because everybody that's in the Father's house, they got shoes. Ain't God all right? Everybody got a ring. You got a ring. I got a ring. All got children. They got a ring. You got shoes. I got shoes. All got children. They got shoes. Yeah. But there's one more thing. He said to do. Uh, kill that fatty calf. Shed some blood. My son is home now. Ain't God all right? Kill him right now. My son has come on home. Yeah. The blood was shed for that son too. Ain't God all right? Is there anybody here know that it reaches to the highest mountain? It flows to the lowest valley. The blood that Jesus did, the blood that he shed, yeah, it will never I'm through now. It will never, it will never lose its power. I'm happy right now. Yeah. The Father said it's blood. It reaches. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, said neighbor, his blood save my soul. His blood reach where I was. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, but very deeply stained within. But the master of the sea, he did die. I said he did die for us. Shed his precious blood. Buried in the grave. And the third day morning, he got up for bad boys and girls just like us. The other brother finally figured out what's going on in the room. He didn't want to go in. But what he didn't know was the blood that was shed for the bad boy was for him too. For good boys just like him. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care how good you are. The blood that he shed was for both boys because the father was not satisfied with a 50% loss. We can never be satisfied when we lose people when the blood is so available. Oh, my brothers and sisters, you ought to rejoice tonight that you've been found tonight.
sheep was lost because of waywardness. Corn was lost because of carelessness. But the son was lost because of willfulness. He wanted to leave the house. By his own decision. He didn't, nobody ran him away from vision. Nobody ran him away from the father's house. People loved him. People were nice. He had a bed. He had food. He had kinfolk. But by his own will, he chose to leave the father's table. Thank God he could not get away from the father's love. So the father did something, and I'm through, that he does for everyone. Now notice the shepherd goes to pick the sheep up. The woman searches for the coin, but the father stays home. Why did he stay at home? Why did he stay at home? Why did he go look for it himself? And I want y'all to know, he did. sent two people to look for him. Grace and mercy. So while he was in the hog pen, Grace sat down, Grace sat down beside him. Mercy sat on the other side and just sat there and waited. Didn't say a word, just waited until he had an appetite for home. I'm asking tonight if you have an appetite for home. That person sitting next to you in the pew is not really there. There are two more people sitting next to you. One called Grace. One called Mercy. And he's waiting just for you. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Blind can you rejoice tonight that you've been found out of the lost department